Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor, and I'm here with... And I'm Dave Barker. Dave Barker, whose voice you're getting to know, and we're very grateful for Dave helping us out on our podcast. Today, I've been looking forward to this conversation, Dave, because as a pastor, I've often wondered what's up with communion, the Lord's table. And during uh, COVID, a lot of us have had to reimagine how we do that. We know we got to do it. Uh, I, I think most of us are doing something once a month as we usually have. I don't know that any, I do know actually of some who have waited until they can do it properly right. in-house. Uh, but it certainly has drawn attention to the significance of the Eucharist um, because we've had to think about how we can't do it anymore. And it's not enough that we just get it done. I think we've been, at least I've been thinking about what what is the intent of this command that we gather together in this way and what possibly are we missing uh, in in the way that COVID has uh, framed the Eucharist these days. So uh, if, if we can dedicate this podcast to just thinking about the Eucharist, communion, how we're messing it up maybe and how we can do it better. Yeah, um, it is a, a big uh, issue and it's a critical part of the life of the church. Um, as Baptists, we understand that there were two ordinances uh, given to the church that we are to follow through on, baptism and uh, communion or the Eucharist. Um, and there are some factors in the practice of the Eucharist that I think contribute significantly to the ongoing life of the church that builds the church in some really positive and powerful ways. Okay, in what way would that be? Well, I think the primary thing, now first, obviously communion, uh, celebrating the bread and the cup, points us one more time in some kind of a manner to the work of Christ on the cross. I think, uh, I think what we do as substitutes for that with those little cups that we use we have to peel off the little piece of tape or at home when we've got a when we say to the folks to our people uh, go uh, you know get a little sip of something um, and a piece of bread and over the over the uh, live stream we we do that I, I think there that happens I think that there that element of focusing on Christ's crucifixion uh, works but I think the major loss is the sense of community and the sense that we do it together and we lose the enhancement of what it is to be a people of God gathered in community celebrating this ordinance together. So you think communion, although it, it reminds us of the gospel, right? For sure. We need to think about yep. our relationship to the gospel, which I think we do do that intentionally when we examine ourselves, so on and so forth. But you're saying that the piece that maybe we need to address more is the communal aspect. What what does this ordinance have to do with the fellowship yeah. of God's people? Yeah. Well, it's called communion for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's the community. And it's interesting because when I when I uh, look at First uh, Corinthians 11, which is one of the key passages that that we use to talk about it. Um. 
the Eucharist section doesn't really start until verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, and that kind of thing. And the opening verses in verses 17 through 22 are not talking about the communion or the Mm -hmm. Eucharist side of it. It's talking about a love feast. Mm -hmm. And it's quite evident in the practice of the New Testament, the Eucharist was always celebrated in the context of a meal. What would that look like? Well, who knows what it looked like back then. Yeah. Uh, you know, where were they gathered? Were they gathered in people's homes? Mm-hmm. Uh, were they gathered in, in an outdoor context? We don't really know. We know that in Acts 2, they were gathered in the temple courtyard, but somehow they were celebrating a meal together. What does that look like for us? Well, let's go back to the good old potlucks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't see a lot of that anymore, but uh, yeah. Like, can you imagine, like, in, in the upper room, Jesus took a Passover meal, presumably, and kind of inserted into it the, the Eucharist, but it came out of that, and it yes. might have surprised the disciples, what, what's he doing, what's this cup and all that. But it, but it was in that context. It wasn't a separate, very. it was a very natural environment that he just built into. So can we think of a, a love feast in our church? We're all, you know how messy they are. Kids are everywhere. You're, you're in the gymnasium. There's food, a little bit of chaos. How would you imagine the Eucharist being attached to something like that? Well, um I've actually done it, and uh, we did it several times when I was pastoring in Stony Creek in London. Uh, we would have a potluck, and we would, you know, uh, have the have the meal and enjoy the meal together and that kind of stuff. But between um, <laughs> between the main course and dessert, we stopped, and uh, we had stations set up around the room. And uh, then we, we introduced the Eucharist, we read the texts, and then we had people go to the stations, and what we, we had uh, jugs of juice, and there were cups on the table, and one person from each table would go and get the jug of juice from the table. Somebody was at the table kind of steering it. Uh, from, there were about five, to five or six different stations, and then they would come and they filled everybody's little cup, and then we would drink together. And then we did the same with the bread, or I guess it was the bread first and the cup. And, uh, and then and we, we celebrated the Eucharist, and they did all of that, and we closed it in prayer, and then we said, okay, time for dessert. Okay, so why would you do that? It really built a sense of community, first of all, in the meal itself, which is really Paul's big point here. I mean, <laughs> in the following distinctives, I have no praise for you. You know, when the Apostle Paul starts out, we we're, in, we're in trouble, right? And, and he says there's divisions. And then he, he gets really sarcastic. And he says, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. I mean, that's not a straight, that, that's sarcastic. He's mocking them. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he says, for anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Well, the body reference there is certainly to the body of Christ on the Mm -hmm. cross, but there's a double entendre going on there, and it's reference to the church. And in 1 Corinthians 12, he's going to take off on that and talk about the body and all its parts and that kind of thing. So Paul is really 
committed to this body life mm-hmm. to celebrate the Eucharist in order to bring a sense of harmony, unity, shalom, community um, into, the, into the life of the church. So we, th- we think about the Lord's death till he comes, but we also, in the context of communion, we need to think about our relationships to people or... Yeah. To, well, yeah, you know, it's interesting because it says, you know, let, you're supposed to examine yourself. You know, before you participate in the elements, right? And <laughs> how long before? Yeah, well, that's the question, right? Most often in our little, in our way we do it, we we pause and we stop and we say, okay, let's just have a moment of quiet prayer and let's examine ourselves, see if there's any unconfessed sin in our lives, and we have that that just quiet moment. That's not what Paul is talking about. Therefore, let let us examine ourselves, and it has everything to do with our relationships to our community, mm-hmm. and that examining yourself happens before we walk in the door of the church. That's when we prepare for the Eucharist. Right, because when we're aware of a rupture in relationship, you don't say, well, in three weeks I'm going to deal with that at communion. It's, it's urgent. You deal exactly. with that. That's the way that we should be with the body of Christ. We're always maintaining or, or nourishing our relationships. But I think you would agree the way we do it now is people will just say, okay, am I all good? And is there anyone here that I hate? Uh, maybe I'll deal with it one day. And we just were quiet. I don't know what we're thinking half the time. Uh, but I, I, I think there are some people who say, well, okay, I have a problem. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to take communion. That's my punishment. Well, I, I, I don't know that it's a punishment, but I think that if we say, you know what, if you're unreconciled to a brother or sister in Christ uh, and we're, we're at the moment of the Eucharist, it might be worthwhile to say, you know, um, it might be good just to pass the element by today. Not as a punishment, but just to say, you know what, I'm not there yet and encourage us all to make that reconciliation so that the next right. time we gather, you can participate. But there, are, there have been people who, who trade it off and say, well, it's, it's worth it to me to hold this grudge, and I'll, my punishment will be I just won't have communion. Oh, dear. You know, but there's no way I'm going to apologize to that person. Oh, dear. But I'll, I'll live this way. And I, I think you can't do that, right? That's not, not how it works. I think communion obligates us. To, to make things right with people and to feel that way about people is, is not discerning how Christ views the people that you're fighting with. And it's not discerning the body of, of, of the Lord. That's what it says here. You yeah. do, you're not discerning the body of the Lord. And it's not, while we do talk about the body of Christ on the cross, we're mm-hmm. talking about we're not discerning the church. Mm-hmm. And so a person who does that kind of thing, to me, has got a whole lot, a much bigger problem yeah. than not just taking communion. Mm-hmm. There's something else really big going on there that needs to be dealt with. So do you think... Obviously, Christ is concerned about the integrity of our gatherings, right? And the, the Lord's Supper is his way of def- uh, resetting that or at least keeping it before us. Do you think the way that we do communion now is the best way to do that? Are, are we missing something? Have we devalued it in, in, in the the triteness of our little cups and our little wafer and the liturgy piece, because it's not, it's not the joy, it's not the love feast. 
there's you can you can not you can be indifferent to people all around you and still have a an authentic communion experience so called yeah i i certainly the apostle paul in the first century church would look at the way we're doing it and kind of shake their head and said uh no, that's not that's not the way that we had thought that this would be done. However, we're in the 21st century, not the first century. We have the traditions of the church, the way we do things, and I think we can make it living and real. Mm-hmm. Okay, by introducing in terms of what the whole thing is about, mm-hmm. making sure we're prepared, we're we're reconciled with people. But then I would say, you know, we do it every month, maybe once a year, twice a year. Have a dinner, have a banquet. Mm-hmm. And celebrate communion in that context so that people do get a feel right. for how to do it that way and kind of take us back to, to the first century right. and kind of closer to the way they would have done it back then. Because it's symbolic of a greater thing, right? It's symbolic of a greater meal. And so I, th- I wonder if um, a, a church that regularly observes the Lord's Supper but doesn't really do community well is, is really getting it, you know, whereas a church that might have a lot of potlucks, a lot of action, kids, messes everywhere, and they might not have the Lord's Supper quite the way that we imagine it, but the Lord might say, you, you got it going on. That's the kind of church you're living out the implications of the, of the Lord's Supper. Don't forget it, but I think, I think that's what God wants. He wants our church to be a family that cares for each other, that knows one another. And that's a reminder when we have that Lord's Supper, those elements, it's saying, are you doing this well? And I think that we could probably, during COVID, when we're forced to think about it, it's, it's time to reimagine it, I think. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when we're able to kind of pull the whole thing off, uh, the way that maybe we, kind of that restoration thing back into the first century, which always dangerous, by the yeah. way, we, we mm-hmm. can never get back to the yeah. first century. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, yeah. when we see the, the emphasis on community in mm-hmm. the way that the Apostle Paul talks about it, you know, if anybody's hungry, let them eat at home. Yeah. That's not talking about the Eucharist. That's talking something very different. You know, I know someone who will be nameless, who doesn't listen to the podcast, but just I won't name them anyway. Um, they have a, a disability, and they need help. If if they come to communion, they need help, especially with the little things we have now. And they're very uncomfortable coming to church when communion is on because they can't navigate it. They can't open it. They can't. It's embarrassing. And I said, okay, that's a problem because communion is all about sharing and enter into each other's needs, the best thing would be for someone to help you with your your disability. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> we are out of time, Dr. Dave. So I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this podcast. Not sure what our next one will be, but it will be something worth your while to listen to. So until then, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm here with... And Dave Barker. And thank you for thinking about it with us.